so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so that you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website, and you can follow me at Facebook.com slash Clark Howard. What's the purpose of this show? I just told you, your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. That's the deal, is that we're here all to learn from each other, and we're here to gain knowledge in ways that will help us stretch every dollar. But you know, People ask me a variety of questions. I talk about a variety of topics, and there are times you'll feel that I missed the mark, or I was thick-headed, or I was just wrong. And I want that feedback from you. So that's why we have at Clark.com, and have had so, I guess, for like 15 years, the Clark Stinks location where you can go post where you feel I could do a better job. And weekly, our producer, Krista, goes through your posts and looks for highlights to share with you on the air. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. All right, Krista, what you starting with? Clark, if you or anyone would have purchased $1,000 U.S. dollars of ADA, Cardano, cryptocurrency 90 days ago, you would have $1.3 million plus U.S. dollars worth of that cryptocurrency right now. Whether it be $10, $1K, or whatever, everyone should dip their toes into the cryptocurrency water, but only what they can afford to lose. The volatile yet proven insane gains are worth the risk and experience. And they um, added a chart in there for you. So in the questions I've had about cryptocurrencies, starting with Bitcoin and then beyond, what I've said is that this is not a real marketplace. Real money doesn't move around at the enormous percents that these cryptocurrencies have day by day. This is a mania. And if you do want to get involved, just as our poster said, that didn't really sound like a Clark Stinks, um, because it dovetails with what I've said. If you want to get involved in this marketplace, it is high risk. It is not an investment. It is a speculative endeavor. And only put into any cryptocurrency money that you can sleep well at night knowing you may have lost it. Which for you would be how much? (laughs) For me, it would be, um, oh, probably $500. Oh, wow. I thought you were going to say like a dollar. You won't even put 20 on black for me when you're in Vegas. No, because that seems stupid to me. Okay. Well, not that I've invested in any cryptocurrency, because remember, I said it's not an investment. Right. It's a speculative thing, so I've not gotten involved. Stop it. You keep saying the simple IRA is anything but simple and that is that is simply not true. Now I stink for the wordplay. The form to set up a simple IRA as an employer is two pages, but it is your company name, check a box and sign it. That's it. The money goes into accounts in the employee's name that they direct and have nothing to do with the employer once the money is deposited. No management of a company retirement account for the employer, and the account works just like a regular IRA for the employee. 
Sure, the limits are lower, but for most people, this doesn't matter. $12,500 instead of $18,500 is plenty for most, and the employer still gets to make a goodwill gesture to the employee of a 3% match. It's a great way for a small employer to offer this benefit and not run into the complex reporting of a 401k or the employer burden of a SEP IRA. Ryan Alver... Alverdez, sorry, Ryan, if I said that wrong, CPA. I guess that's why I cringe when you talk about taxes, sometimes but not usually, from Portland, Oregon. Thank you very much, Ryan. And I appreciate you uh, giving a rebuttal on the simple because I always compare it to the SEP, which basically is incredibly easy with almost no paperwork at all involved. And as long as you jump through the right hoops on a simple, that would be fine. The big change, Ryan, that has come about only over the last, oh, I guess 12 to 18 months, is we're now seeing for the first time 401k plans for small businesses that have relatively small fees and give an employer the ability to give the big employer benefit of a 401k without the administrative headaches or compliance problems that small businesses face prior by offering a 401k. Clark, I was listening to your advice to the gentleman with the printer question and heard you tell him to pay for Consumer Reports. I agree that Consumer Reports is a great resource, but I want to suggest before anyone pay for it, they check out their local library. There is a decent chance that your local library has the print versions of the annual buying guide, several years worth, the monthly magazine, and a digital database that is searchable for the topic of your interest. If you take a trip to your library, you can save some money to buy your laser toners, and the librarian will be happy to help you. Signed, a librarian in Connecticut. Thank you, librarian in Connecticut, and I am guilty as charged for not thinking about that. Clark, You always say that to satisfy the bank's debit card usage requirements to get the higher level interest rates, you have to charge the item instead of using your debit card PIN. That is not true. I've been chasing rates for many years and with many banks. I always use my PIN if I can. Some fast food places don't ask and may charge instead of debit. When I use wa- when I use it at Walmart, I don't use my PIN, but the receipt says debit. My current only my current bank only requires five purchases most of my five will be pin based maybe different states have different rules i live in texas thanks clark thank you and it's not the the states that would have the rules it's the banks that issue the and credit unions that issue the two percent checking accounts that's kind of where they are right now is two percent accounts is they're funding your interest on the fees they get for your use of the debit card and generally, they want you to do it as where you're asked credit or debit to say credit because that generates more fees for them. But if you have an institution that doesn't create that distinction, that's great. And just clear them as debit, not credit. Cognitive dissonance? Clark, I think most people do not mind paying taxes for our infrastructure. Let's put aside that our taxation system is regressive and disproportionately affects people with lower incomes. But to laud Trump's and the GOP's tax scam as something that will actually improve our infrastructure makes me wonder if you have cognitive dissonance. What the GOP and Trump want to do is privatize our infrastructure, which of course would mean that it will cost us more and not belong to the commons. The GOP-based infrastructure plans will surely be a giveaway to big corporations. I don't know about you, but I am sick to death of big corporations controlling my financial life. 
We don't do a political show here, so I want to say that I did not address the general uh, infrastructure proposal that came out of the White House, which would have a lot of infrastructure transferred to private hands. Uh, The track record on that has been very spotted and checkered and has not generally had a great story to tell routinely. What I talked about was President Trump's proposal for a $0.25 a gallon gas tax to use it to maintain highways, roads, bridges. And I'm a big fan of gas taxes to maintain the public roads. And, you know, we call them freeways. There's nothing free about building them or maintaining them. And I think that we should pay for the roads we use. We haven't increased the gas tax in more than a generation and the cost of building and repairing our roads obviously has gone up over that time, and that's why I spoke in favor of an increase in the federal gas tax. As an electric vehicle driver, I would have to have some kind of user fee imposed on me since I wouldn't be paying the gas tax. Dear Clark, some time ago I was listening to your show and you were talking about the DOL fiduciary rule and reporting that financial professionals everywhere were thrilled that the president had delayed the ruling, thereby thereby allowing them to continue to charge outrageous fees with no regard to what's in the client's best interest. It wasn't the first time that you berated financial advisors and I'm a little tired of it. I've worked in the financial industry for almost 18 years. For the past seven, I've worked as a registered assistant for an independent advisor who is one of the most honest, upfront, and ethical people I've ever known. He always acts in his client's best interests. He spends hours with them explaining the products he presents and why they're the best option for them and doesn't move forward until he's sure they understand. He's an exceptional advisor and we're paid well with happy clients and a thriving business. I realize that there are some bad apples out there, but please don't paint us all with the same ugly brush. Very well stated. And it is true that when I talk about something like the fiduciary rule that I do paint with a broad brush. And it's because of my frustration. I'm a human being. I get frustrated. And I've had a lot of frustration about the problems with conflict of interest where the full commission stockbrokerages and the people that work for them, and many of the insurance companies and the people that work for them, that the incentives are set up backwards where they work against the interests of their customers, and the fiduciary standard would require that they do what is first, foremost, and always in the best interest of the customer, not what's in the best interest of the firm or the people working for that firm. And to say that to say it in a way as you related where i don't acknowledge how many people there are that do a good job every day regardless of the rules is a fail on my part Clark, the only thing that stinks about your advice about buying cheap TVs is that you forget the most important step to take advantage of the value, calibration. Televisions are not perfect out of the box. They are often too bright and or have too many unnecessary processing features turned on. A great article to reference for baseline calibration is listed below, and they link to an article. I love that. What source do they use for 
AVS forum. It's in a message board. Okay. So, um, but I did show this to our web team, and they're working on a guide for Clark.com. Yeah, because uh, TVs, the picture can many times not be to your liking, and the TVs, if you can get to the menus, can very easily be adjusted and change how the picture looks. And I've been told, although I've never been able to do it myself, that it's very, very easy to change that picture. I guess because I'm never unhappy with the picture I see on any TV. Travel recommendations. So this is, we've been putting a lot of travel deals out on ClarkDeals.com lately. I know Ocean City is a deal, but the water and air temperature is freezing. Plus, I'd prefer someplace different like Hawaii or Southern California, though your Florida picks weren't bad. Definitely, I think this is geared toward a party group and not just those looking for a vacation that's appropriate for the season. <laughs> oh, there's no better deal than the beach when it's cold because nobody else wants to be there. But we try with the travel deals to put up a variety of deals that would appeal across the spectrum of what kind of places people are looking for and what budget you're trying to fit within. Yeah, well, we just we put up the cheap deals, too, because you always say your recommendation for travel is... You buy the deal and then figure out why you want to go there. Right. Which normally works out for me. There have been a few times that that turned out not to be the best idea, but usually it does. And I want to hear from you. If you feel that I'm uh, really missing the mark, please go to Clark.com, go to Clark Stinks, and post away. Richard is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Richard. Hi, how are you, Clark? Great, thank you. You get to go to Costa Rica. Oh, yeah, looking forward to it. I love it. Have you ever been to Costa Rica before? Uh, no, I haven't, but I've seen it a lot. Um, I like to surf, and uh, I don't know if you saw the movie The Endless Summer, but it starts out in Costa Rica. I am so culturally ignorant, I've not seen any movie and never have heard of it. So <laughs> I can tell you, though, that okay. um, I uh, my daughter has a friend who taught surfing in Costa Rica. Oh, great. And it's really, really great surfing yeah yeah i've uh, i've seen a lot of it before so i'm looking forward to it and away from the coast the country is so diverse and so welcoming and great place uh-huh. to go oh great well how can i be of service because all i am now is jealous okay <laughs> well i was looking at um a rental car versus a shuttle we're staying in a resort on the uh, on the west coast uh, in tamarindo and um, the shuttle is uh, $90 per person each way, and it'll be my wife and I, so that comes to about $400. And I can get a rental car for $65. No, you uh, can't. For, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm calling about. I'm finding it that out. <laughs> yeah, that's a Costa Rican bait and switch. It's been a problem yeah. in Costa Rica forever. And yeah. there's been this dispute as far back as I can remember on whether or not you have to buy mandatory insurance on a car yeah. rental that you pick up in San Jose or Liberia. And uh, there are people who say, yeah, I did just fine using, you know, a lot of credit cards cover car rentals, you know, temporary use of a rental car. And then yeah. other people say that, that no way I had to buy 
the mandatory insurance. So you have to plan for the possibility that you'll be forced to buy the mandatory coverage. Okay. And that is a game changer in terms of the cost of the vehicle. Yeah. Now, one suggestion I can give you is if you use a, a booking site where you buy the mandatory insurance, what the supposedly mandatory insurance is from them before you go, then it's yeah. a known quantity, a known number of dollars. Okay, and they'll accept that there that you've bought that through the um, rental car agency. I've not seen complaints about that, that they've said, no, that's not valid. I've not had that. What I like okay. is if you do one of the multi-car shopping sites, and there's one that says includes all mandatory uh, insurance coverage, including liability, uh-huh. and you have that, I, I'm mostly confident that you'll be okay. Well, the, the one I was looking at is uh, the total cost is $45 a day. They have that on a little you know thing at the bottom. If you click it, it says more. <laughs> That's what they want for all the coverage through the uh, you know through the multi-site rental place. Forty-five dollars a day. Which compared, uh, you got to choose the flexibility. Is it going to be worth it for you to know yeah. you can get around, or do you really not want to be driving on the streets in an unfamiliar roads in an unfamiliar country? Because sure. the math of the cost, you're going to end up very similar. Okay, so if I don't want any hassles, use the shuttle, and if I want to travel around some, take the risk, I guess, or pay the price. Exactly. That is exactly right. It is going to be an adventure, and hope you have the best time ever surfing. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. You can follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard, our deal site, clarkdeals.com. There's a lot of uh, tumult right now in the health insurance market, particularly for individuals and small businesses. The tumult has come about because of a different philosophy from uh, President Trump's administration from President Obama's administration, former President Obama, and how health care should be done in the United States. And we're in an awkward phase right now. And so there's a lot of change going on, a lot of turmoil, and insurers feel like they don't know what the roadmap is. And so in the individual and small business marketplace, premiums have been skyrocketing over the last year. And Congress could never figure out what it wanted health insurance policy to be in the United States. So there's a lot of ad hoc, haphazard experimentation going on. State of Idaho has been much in the news because Idaho wants to allow insurers to go back to the old system of selling health insurance that would allow an insurer to exclude people who've had a prior illness and to exclude conditions like somebody being pregnant or if somebody develops a cancer that that cancer wouldn't be covered and in turn by excluding people with pre-existings and limiting what medical conditions would be covered the premiums would be a whole lot cheaper 
Now, the danger of that is that people that are healthy would gravitate towards the much cheaper options, and people who have a pre-existing or want to be covered for a potential cancer or whatever would find that they could not under any circumstances afford the premiums from a steadily shrinking pool of people who want to be able to buy what's known as compliant insurance that covers pre-existing conditions and the various illnesses that might come up after you have coverage. So there are a number of state lawmakers and governors, both Republicans and Democrats, who are looking instead at what's known as reinsurance. The big problem with individual and small group health insurance is that you get one individual in a small group who has a major illness, it blows the economics apart of that small business plan. And again, if you have a group of individuals buying coverage and any of a number of them get a catastrophic illness, again, it destroys the economics of providing coverage to everybody in that plan. So the idea of a reinsurance situation is that you set the premiums based on an expectation that most people are going to be healthy. The few that end up with a major illness are still covered under the same plan that you and I would be, but the federal government or the state picks up through reinsurance, if you will, which is often what's referred to, the cost for that individual who ended up with the expensive cancer or heart disease or chronic illness or whatever, instead of allowing insurers to go back to the old system of excluding people who have a pre-existing condition or not covering serious conditions. I think that Idaho and the other states are all trying to solve the same problem, and that is that health coverage is not affordable for individuals or small businesses. It's just not. And so everybody in good faith is trying to figure out how to solve that. But I will tell you, allowing insurers to go back to excluding pre-existings and allowing them to say what they will and will not cover will not work, and it will put individuals and small businesses into a very precarious situation that will be harmful to people's health and harmful to their wallets. Jaya is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, how are you doing? Is it Jaya or Jaya? Yeah, I go by Jaya. Jaya, I'm sorry I mispronounced your name. No worries, that's fine. Hey, Clark, nice to talk to you. Nice to have you here. Um, So, Clark, uh, you know, my husband and I were looking to purchase a home that's, I mean, we've put an offer on it and it got accepted. But the difference this time is that this home is by one of those uh, wholesale real estate brokers and that typically, you know, buy home and then buy a home and then flip it within two weeks and then put it up for sale. So I just wanted to know, is there anything that I have to look out for, um, you know, during this process of purchasing a home and then taking out a loan? Are you going to take out a third-party mortgage, not from the home flipper? Yes, yes. 
Yes. Okay. It'll, it's uh, from a regular lender, okay. uh, but this is primarily for an invest as an investment. Uh, All right. The most important thing that you do that is a higher priority in a case involving a flip mm-hmm. is you got to buy owner's title insurance. Oh. And when I you see. take out a, when you buy a home and you take out a mortgage, you're going to be required to buy something known as lender's title insurance. And so people don't realize that title insurance that you're paying for as part of purchasing the home doesn't protect you at all. It's only protecting the lender. So with a flip, there's a higher chance that there will be at some point uh, a contention that the person who sold you the home did not properly legally own that home. And without title insurance, you stand the risk of losing the home and whatever money you've paid in is down payment and what you paid in over time. So you You already have to buy this lender's title policy. Right. You can do what's called piggyback on it. And the people selling the lender's title policy will sell you the piggyback, also known as simultaneous issue owner's title insurance. And it doesn't mean that you necessarily get to keep the house if there's later a challenge saying, well, that person never properly had that home and didn't legally have the right to sell it to you, so we're taking it away from you. You could still end up losing the home, but the money you have put into it is protected. I see. Actually, there was a clause in the um, agreement saying that uh, if you go with our lawyers, that is the seller's lawyers, uh, we will pay for the owner's title insurance for you. We'll okay. cover the cost of that. All right. As long as it says uh, clearly owner's title insurance, then okay. that is great. And that is, and so that means this flipper knows the risk to clear title. And they want you to have assurance that if the title is in fact invalidated that you're still going to not get hurt financially i see okay that that helps us um any tips you might have for us future potential landlords uh clark be very thorough in screening your potential tenants of the problems that i hear from landlords i would say at least 95 percent of the problems go back to not having thoroughly screened somebody before you rent to them. That every story seems to go back to that. And I've been a landlord since 1983 and uh, have a number of rental properties now and have had more over the years. And the issues that come up with tenants, that's the heart of it. And that's why the screening, eventually your number will come up and you'll, you'll screen and you'll still end up with a problem. But over those years, gosh, what is that, 35 years as a landlord, I've only had two times out of all my properties that I had a real problem with a tenant. So the screening is key. Jeff joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Jeff. Hi, Clark. Love your show. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Jeff. 
Um, I was wondering, I am always trying to find ways to pay down my mortgage uh, while still investing uh, as well. Um, is it at all possible that this could work of using zero balance transfer checks um, as kind of a lump sum payment uh, without going too extreme, something like $3,000 or $5,000 um, and would that help benefit paying down the interest, whereas this is at 0% with a small fee, about a 2 or 3% fee to use the checks? Okay, so a couple of things here. One, you know your mortgage payment will not go down right. if you use a balance transfer check to pay down part of the balance. But what it does is effectively, having paid down a portion of the balance, every mortgage payment you make from that point forward, a significantly greater percent of the money you pay is going to principal instead of interest. And right. So, That's so, what I mean. I would add this all to principal. So there's a like, direct benefit to you doing this with a 0% balance transfer. Now, the balance transfer checks may prohibit in their terms and conditions, paying towards a mortgage. You'll have to read the terms closely, not the offer, but the MICE type, mm. to make sure that that is okay. There, okay. And there is a risk that a, a mortgage lender has in its conditions that you can't pay uh, prepay principal on a mortgage with a balance transfer check. Oh, okay. So I'll check on both ends. If they both allow it, though, then would you see this as? Yeah, I think as long as you can handle what ultimately is going to be a separate obligation for the 0% balance transfer, it is a strategy that people have used in the past as a way to reduce effectively the interest rate on their mortgage. You know, okay. that, that cash, the balance transfer fee you have to pay is a version of prepaying interest. Yeah, the way I've calculated it out, that um, that fee would be about half of one, half of an interest payment of one month. Okay. All right. So if you've done the math, you know also whatever card it is you do the balance transfer from, don't use that card moving forward. So when you do a balance transfer offer on a card, you've got to be very cautious depending on how they would treat payments you make in the future. Okay. Because right. it's not at all unusual that they would treat any payments as you send in towards the 0% and not towards your other balance. Right. Got they it. may also eliminate your grace period on future purchases that you make by having the outstanding balance transfer balance sitting there. Okay. So when you do a balance transfer offer, it means that that card is no longer an active part of your life for any purpose other than as a strategy, a backdoor way to effectively reduce the interest rate on your mortgage. Okay. All right. I sure threw up a lot of things you got to look out for, didn't I? Yeah, but it's all good things. All right. Great.
Yeah. Well, Jeff, Thank best you. to you. Same to you. Thank you, Clark. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. David is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, David. Hey, Clark. How are you today? Great. Thank you, David. You have a question for me about TV and, gosh, is TV changing? And I'm not talking about buying a television. I'm talking about the content you watch on a TV. Right. I've been getting these pop-up ads, Clark, about an over-the-air antenna that has cutting-edge technology where you can receive hundreds of channels. Um, And the way they claim to go about it is there is a low-frequency signal that the cable companies must emit, uh, emit by law, and this cutting-edge device picks those signals up. And I don't just know if it's legitimate or not. Okay, of all the things I've heard from people about being able to get TV, that one is in a league of its own. That's crazy. All right. So you know that if you get an antenna, that uh, either one that fits in your attic or on your roof, or if you're close enough to broadcast towers just right by the TV, that what they call 50-mile or 30-mile antennas, you'll pick up in most metro areas somewhere around 40 channels. Okay. And they're free. And you buy these antennas usually for 20 to $50. One-time fee. No monthly fee or anything like that. Right. But these people are saying that you're going to get uh, hundreds of channels? A hundred. A hundred channels. You won't, you won't get every channel that's on the cable, but you'll get a lot of the channels that the cable carries. And I just... Okay, I just that, that's, a bunch of, that's a bunch of hooey. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the... See, there's a family show, so hooey's where I'm right. going to go with that. So right. there are a number of people peddling right now pirate boxes that you pay from a couple of hundred to seems to be around $400 for a box that yeah. allows you to pirate the things that you would normally pay a cable or satellite provider for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and those are those are illegal. There's more action going on about those pirate boxes. But what you're talking about, I, I'm clueless what they're describing. And are you able from this pop-up to see what they want to charge you for this groundbreaking cutting-edge technology? <laughs> $30. Okay, I'm betting any amount of money that's just a pitch for you for one of these antenna. 
Yes. And then they'll give you up to 70% off if you buy more than up to five, one for every TV. Oh, I don't know for a fact, but I would pretty strongly bet this is just a pitch for an antenna for a TV. If it's something else, I guess we'll hear from somebody. But anytime you're getting traditional cable fare without paying for it, that's a pirate. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for tuning in to The Clark Howard Show today. And if you're like me, you like deals, we got our deal diggers hard at work at ClarkDeals.com that help you save money day in and day out. We work around the clock to find the best deals for your wallet. And they're on a variety of consumer items. Check out ClarkDeals.com.